everybody, Chris Avery with you on another training camp edition of Chargers Weekly. Coming up, Daniel Jeremiah discusses some of the team's unsettled position battles ahead of Saturday's game against the Seahawks. But first, I caught up with Kurt Menefee, the host of Fox NFL Sunday. He gave his thoughts on the Chargers and shared a few of his top NFL storylines entering the 2019 season. I tell you, one of the things I love about training camp is you get to see people that normally don't come to Chargers practice. <laughs> Kurt Menefee, NFL on Fox, joins me. Kurt, how are you, sir? Always good to be here. You know, it's my once-a-year appearance. This is a home game for you, though. This is this is not bad. You know, anytime you don't have to get on an airplane and go somewhere, I know the world really feels for me that I get to get paid to be on airplanes you know, and then the, go to football games. The 405 there is probably feels like oh, an airplane, though. Trust me, it, it can be worse. <laughs> Anyone who's been on it, Anytime on a weekday knows. Yeah. Well, Kurt, you're calling preseason games for the Seahawks, mm-hmm. and, and that's the third preseason game. How has this process been for preseason for you? I feel like you don't see a lot of starters. Yeah. Not as many as you used to, right? You know, I, I think the league as a whole has kind of turned a corner this year. Um, we saw over the years starters play less and less, but they usually played except that fourth and final preseason game. Sure. Then last year, I think the Rams were the great experiment in that they didn't play any of their starters, or 90% of their starters did not play at all during the preseason, yet they went to the Super Bowl. And I think that opened a lot of eyes for teams that probably wanted to do it before. That's right. But they're like, well, if we do it and we don't have success, then people will say, why didn't you play the starters? The Rams went all the way to the Super Bowl, so now the door is open. I mean, all these teams are starting to rest their guys and starting to play guys that probably won't be there in September, and it's hard to blame them. I mean, there's one, there's so much money invested in the starters in this league right now. Two, with it being a hard salary cap, there's very little depth for a lot of teams. So if you lose a guy, then you're scrambling to try and replace him, and it may not be a long-term loss. It could be just a twisted ankle or or sore knee that causes a guy to miss two weeks. Well, two weeks goes into games that matter. Exactly. And And I think that's what the fear is. We don't want to lose guys for games that matter. If we do... Let it be in a practice in September rather than a scrimmage in August. And you know, the last two weeks, too, Kurt, here specifically, yeah. the joint practices with mm-hmm. the, the, the yeah. Rams and Saints, and Phillip specifically said, you know, he got 80 passes in, yep. uh, against the Rams. So you're getting these reps in a controlled setting, mm-hmm. and for veterans like Rivers, mm-hmm. uh, he seems to think that that's, that's much more valuable for a guy like him, where you look at a, you know, a 90-man roster from you know, 45 to 90, mm-hmm. some of these guys, they're, they're trying to make a team. And so yeah. I, I do see the value in preseason in that regard. I, I see the value in it for those guys, but let's be honest. As we sit here, the majority of teams, and you know, obviously no situation covers all 32 teams, but for the majority of teams that are especially veteran teams, you know right now, you know at the start of August – at least 45 of your 53, if not 50 of your 53. Got a pretty you, good idea, right? Yeah, because we go, okay, this is preseason. But you forget these teams have seen all these guys through many camps, through OTAs. They've had them in study rooms. So they've had, we may see them for four games at the most. You're talking about you know, bottom of the roster guys. But they've seen them for 100 times when you count practices and reps and those kinds of things. So they've got a clue as to who can do what. They want to see it in game situation. And so that may change one guy because he can play special teams might make it because instead of keeping six receivers, we'll keep five linebackers, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. But the majority of those decisions, I believe, are already made for veterans teams. Now, if you're a young team and you just need to get bodies out there, that's a different story. But in this league right now, there's not many of those. you got teams that have old guys and teams that are really young and very little in the middle. 
And, and with the Chargers, uh, there's not a lot of turnover from right. last year to this year. A team including went, the coaching including staff. Including the coaching staff. And I know you had an opportunity to talk to some of the coaches and the players. Um, you see a lot of familiar faces. And I think that bodes well. I know 2018 doesn't carry over to 2019, but to, to go 12-4, and four, to win a playoff game, and have a, a lot of key pieces back. Yeah. Um, when you look at the rest of the league and with, with guys with yeah. young quarterbacks and new systems, uh, it, it says a lot. Well, and also, uh, the reason I brought up the coaching staff is just about the consistency period. You're running the same offense. You're running the same defense. You know, some teams, you look at Atlanta, and I think Atlanta's going to be a really good team. There was a team that was in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Last year, fired all three coordinators. Offense, defense, and special teams. So now, yes, they've got the same head coach. They've got a lot of the same players, but everybody's learning a new system. That doesn't happen here with the Chargers right now. There's consistency. It should carry over from year to year. And like you said, you don't necessarily pick up and go, okay, we won 12 last year, therefore we're going to win 13 this year. That's yeah. not how it really works. you got to stay healthy is, is the first thing, and, and, and that's been a challenge here for, for year after year. Uh, I do think the loss of Derwin James is huge. You it's know, a big you, loss. You, you can put – guys in that place, but he's special. There are very few players in this league already at this stage of his career that are, are the quality player that he is. So I, I do think that's a loss that you've got to overcome on the defensive side of the football. And then on offense, I, I think that the loss of, of Russell Okun at left tackle is also a big one. You know, you've got Trent Scott there right now mm -hmm. trying to work his way through it. Um, young guy, undrafted, second year. And Russell, a, sh a guy you probably know well yeah. from your time doing the yeah. Seahawks games. Well, and just doing the Seahawks and obviously with Denver. I mean, here's a guy who's played at a Pro Bowl level for a long time, a decade here. Uh, and you don't just replace those guys, especially at that position, by – and this is not a knock against Trent Scott at all, but I'm just saying – He's a young player. Right. You just don't get a young guy and go, okay, pop him in there, and it's going to be the same. So I think you've got a significant piece on offense in Okun and a significant piece on defense in James that you don't know when those guys are going to be back. And for me, for the Chargers, it's a matter of holding water until they do. Because when they come back, well, Okun hasn't been able to do anything because of the blood clot, so he's not going to be in football shape. Mm -hmm. Same thing with James. He hasn't been able to run and those kinds of things. So how long does it take them to get back up to speed? You still want to be in it when they come back so that you can make November, December matter. And the Chargers have experience with this yeah, last unfortunately. year. Yeah, unfortunately. With Joey <laughs> yeah. Bosa going down to yeah. Tanaki last year, they had to kind of hold down to Fort. Uh, it seems like every year, though. Every does, year. Doesn't it seem like we've been talking about the Chargers every year and their injuries Unfor forever? Unfortunately. Mm -hmm. and, and with Hunter Henry, another example yeah. from last year. Yeah. I mean, these are guys. Hunter Henry's a Pro Bowl caliber young type in in this league. Um, but to, to And I do it. think there's talent here. I mean, I think there's plenty of talent on both sides of the ball, but particularly on offense. Oh, yeah. Um, and we haven't even mentioned Melvin Gordon. I mean, you don't know when that situation resolves itself and how it resolves itself. So I, I think the pieces are here. Obviously, the Chargers aren't whole as we speak today. Uh, when they are, they're as good as any team in football. That's right. And it's just a matter of how long can you, you keep your finger in the dike until – those guys get back. But looking at the defense, even if you take Derwin out of the equation mm -hmm. in the secondary, it's hard to believe. You have three All-Pros. Mm -hmm. Desmond King's an All-Pro. Mm -hmm. Casey Hayward's an All-Pro. Mm -hmm. Adrian Phillips is an All-Pro. Mm -hmm. And you revamped this linebacking core. Uh, to bring in a guy like Thomas Davis, um, I I've told everybody that has come on this podcast, every time I talk to a player, offense or defense, his name comes up. Yeah, okay. Uh, for a good reason. Mm -hmm. You know, that leadership ability and the fact that he can still play. I yeah. I'm watching these joint practices, he's going stride for stride with Cooper Cup in 11 on 11 or right. 7 on 7 drills. So to have a guy like that and a guy like Tyrod Taylor, too, mm -hmm. who comes in uh, a great insurance policy, when you have that much talent on offense, you can't afford not to have a uh, a great backup quarterback in Tyrod. Well, and especially you talk about whether it's Tyrod or you talk about you know Thomas Davis. Two things you brought up are veterans, and those are guys that you know what you're going to get. 
you know, is Thomas Davis the same guy he was five years ago? Probably not, but he's probably a smarter guy as well. Yeah. He knows how to play the game. He's, and you talk about leadership. I mean, that's one thing that I would put him in the top 10 leaders in the NFL, period. I mean, he, he is that guy, solid. Um, and so when you're able to bring in pieces that are veteran pieces that understand their role and how they play with this team, but also make guys around them better, then I think that's another reason to feel really good about where you are right now. Yeah, and you go back to last year's draft too. The first four picks, not, not 2019, 2018, the, the first four picks um, all on defense, you know, had Derwin not got hurt, all four yeah. probably be starters this year. Right. Because Uchenna Nuosu, mm-hmm. Justin Jones, mm-hmm. who's looked great, has transformed himself, and, and Kaiser White, who mm-hmm. started the first three games last year, he comes back. So you, you have a I don't want to say a surplus because there's no such thing as a no. surplus in the NFL. Right. But when you get Denzel Perryman back and Kaiser White to go with Thomas Davis and Tavis Brown, you have the linebackers that you didn't have in Baltimore and right. New England last year, right? Right. No, you're right. And then you know, we haven't mentioned you know, the pass rushers. And you look at you know Ingram and Bosa, there's probably not a better combination in all the NFL. So you can get pressure up front, which should help your linebackers, which should help your secondary, even without Derwin James. I mean, so I go back to the pieces are there. It's just a matter of, you know, you look at, at, at the competition around the league and you look at within your division and you look at within your conference and you go, okay, everybody's got something. Who's going to be the one that sprints out of the gate and hopefully they're not in our division or yeah, somebody we're right. trying to fight yeah, with at the end right. of the season, you know? Yeah, and, and the, you know, the Chiefs, one of them, and I go back to last year, probably the game of the year in the regular season was oh, all Fox. No, yeah. Thursday night yeah. football, yeah. Mike Williams with those three touchdowns, the two-point conversion. Um, the Chargers don't get on Fox often, but this not year. Enough. Not enough. <laughs> not enough. Thursday night football against the Raiders this year, and then week eight against the Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's got to be exciting for you just to have football back, especially yeah. on Fox. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's that time of year where, you know, you bounce around, you go to different training camps, and, and I, my excitement, my enthusiasm peaks right away. But one of the things I enjoy about it is that, especially traveling around the country and seeing different teams and being in different environments, and you're in Green Bay, Wisconsin, and you're in Latrobe, Pennsylvania with the Steelers, or you're in Cleveland and there's 5,000 people there, is just the thrill and the excitement that this sport brings to the general population at a time where, I mean, not to get deep in the weeds on politics by any means, but this country's divided in so many ways, and there are very few things that bring us together like the NFL. And I I truly believe it It really does. If you look at the stands at a football stadium or football practice, you see every ethnicity, every generation, uh, every gender, and that doesn't happen not only in a theater or a lot of other sports. And, and that's one of the things that I think unifies us is the National Football League. And so that's one of the great things about this sport and this time of year. It gives you renewed hope, not just for football, but for kind of life in general. No doubt, no doubt. Kurt, we'll get you out of here on this. Um, I've been in this kind of this Chargers bubble, right, over the last three weeks, training camp. It just seems like one long day. Outside of the Chargers, just NFL storylines that, that you're looking forward to, to seeing kick off come week one. Uh, I think that one... I, I don't know if there's a bigger storyline in the NFL right now than the Cleveland Browns, and who are they? Yeah, you know, I, we'll it, find out soon. We will find out soon. It's really interesting because two years ago this team didn't win a single game. Now everybody's got them in the playoffs. You know, I mean, there, there's some steps I think that have to happen along the some way. Some have in Miami. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it's just, it's crazy. Um, but how do they respond to that hype? You know, how do they live up to it? You know, they've got some brash guys with some big personalities, but they've got a first-year head coach. Um, they've got a quarterback who hasn't played a full season yet. So I, I think that's going to be interesting, especially if they don't get off to a good start. Because 
if you're the Chargers, you can get off to a poor start, but you've got enough veterans and people around to know it's a long season. Sure. If you're a young team like that and people expect you to be somewhere at the end and you start off 0-2, 1-3. and Doubt creeps in a little exactly, bit, right? Exactly. So I'm really interested to see that. Uh, another one you talk about within your, your division is Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City was a play away from going to the Super Bowl last year. Uh, I think that Patrick Mahomes in his second year with Andy Reid as a starter, second year, um, is probably going to be even better than he was his MVP season. Uh, that's a team that's really deep, and that's one that you guys fight with tooth and nail year in after year out. So I think that's another team to, to keep an eye on. And then I think probably one more team in the NFC is the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, I think they're as talented as anybody in football. The one issue has been the last couple of years, Carson Wentz, who I, I love as a quarterback, and I think he's got all the skills you want. Yeah. He just hasn't been able to finish the season the last two years, and now there is no Nick Foles there behind him. Uh, they had Nate Sudfeld, who they really liked, but he then got he, hurt too, he got right? hurt first preseason game. So, And then Cody Kessler got hurt the second preseason game. So they went out and they signed Josh McCown, who I think is is – he should be a coach at some <laughs> stage of his career. Yes. I mean, one, he's been with every team in the league just about. But two, he's another good veteran leader. He understands his role, that kind of thing. So I think that's a good signing for him. But you don't want him to have to play because you want Wentz to make it through a full season. If he does, then I think that's a team that could be there in Miami. We will see. We will see. And there's so many more, too. Yeah, right? uh, we we, we haven't even talked a- about some that we don't even know about. And that's the great thing that I always go about football. Like You start a baseball season or an NBA season, you've got – a pretty good sense of, of what you're going to be talking about come playoff time. With the NFL, you have no idea. There, there are at least three teams, I guarantee you right now, that we haven't spoken about that at the end of the season is going to be right there in the playoffs. We're going to be like, how'd that happen? I tell you, man, and that's why we love this game. Amen too. to that, brother. Kurt Menefee, I, I really appreciate it, and I'll see you on Saturday. Uh-oh, I'll be here. Take care. All right, man. All right, as we roll on here on Chargers Weekly, joined by Daniel Jeremiah. DJ, two preseason games in, man. How's it feel from last year for you? Oh, it's dude! It's just so much fun. You know, I, I look. I'm ready for the regular season as much as everybody else. Uh, but the preseason, it's still football, and get out there and uh, uh, get a chance to watch all these young players go. It's 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 still a lot of fun. Second half of games, too, I imagine, are fun. We get loose a little bit in the booth. Yeah, yeah, we can get loose a little bit. So, uh, <laughs> you know, in the regular season, um, it's a little more a little more by the book, I would say. Yeah. But, uh, you know, look, we can have a little, we can let it go a little bit in the fourth quarter of a preseason game. What do you make of the first few weeks of training camp as we close this thing up and, and get towards the back half of preseason in week one? Um, there's a lot of action in that Saints game. Uh, Cardell making some plays, Troy May Pope, yep. the punt return, and the return of Jerry Tillery. It was fun to see him. I mean, how about that for a first impression? Uh, right before that play, we were sitting up there watching it, and I said, well, let's keep an eye on Tillery this series. And we didn't have to wait very long, and boom, uh, he shows that little swipe move to uh, to get a sack and made a nice job. Did a nice job on the backside against the run as well. So to me, the story for this Chargers team is just depth. And you tip your cap to Tom Telesco and the personnel department for what they've been able to build here um, because you, you just look at just about every position. You go down the line, and, man, the – they're three deep. I mean, it's it's impressive group. I was talking to Kurt Menefee about this. The fact name drop. Well, it's the segue. It's okay. a segue okay. in a okay. podcast. There's, okay. no, there's no name drop because our, our listeners just heard Kurt. And we, we talked about the loss of Derwin James, and obviously that's a huge loss on any team. But you still have three all-pros in the secondary. You know? How and about you, that? And you still have young guys like you know Roger Teamer, for example. That, that's a guy who has – 
led the the team in defensive snaps each of the first two weeks. Um, undrafted free agents. I mean, this is what this team does. They 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 identify guys that are undrafted and come in here and make an impact. No doubt, and they're guys that uh, are ultra competitive. I think Tom's done a good job of finding guys that kind of fit the mold of of this team and this defense specifically, where you just got really competitive guys. Um, and Teamer's been one. That ironically, he's going to have to make the team as a special teamer. What he can do there in the short term it's and got the name develop it. It's a great name uh, to develop into more in the long term. But um, you look at guys like Michael Davis out here running around and continuing to improve and grow in his game. They've had uh, quite the success here with these undrafted players. Preseason as a whole, do you sense a kind of a philosophy shift among teams with with all these joint practices? And you're just seeing fewer and fewer starters playing. It's been building towards this. I, I think, you know, is you go back three or four years ago and you could talk to teams and they were really, to me, raving about the joint practices and what they're able to accomplish to get full speed work against a different scheme, different players, good competition, but your quarterbacks aren't live. It's a thud period. Guys aren't going to the ground. It's your ones, their ones, you know, good on good. Usually teams are, are pretty smart about how they practice. So uh, they get a lot done there, and you're just not going to subject your players to injury in the preseason games. And I think the really the, the turning point in the whole deal was last year when the Rams sat everybody and went to the Super Bowl. Yep. And everybody just said, okay, well, that was the ultimate litmus test. I mean, literally paid nobody, and, uh, and they made it all the way, you know, one game away from a championship. So I think teams have said, well, we might be uh, – uh, you know, take a couple weeks to knock the rust off in the regular season, that's the price they're willing to pay. I think Phillips made it pretty clear that he, he enjoys those joint practices and, and these practices out here at Jack Hammett Sports Complex. Preseason games, I think he could do without, right? Well, yeah. I, to me, the, I actually talked to Hunter Henry about this, and we've labeled it the Henry Jeremiah plan we'd like to institute going forward, which is... <laughs> okay, it's breaking news. This is breaking news, so we got to get this enacted. I think this podcast is a platform where this could push something like this through in the next uh, collective bargaining okay, agreement. A lot, a lot of listeners, though. So. No question. Two... Two preseason games, young guys, right? Backup players, young players, developing players. That's in the stadium, the two young guys. It's the start of football. So fans are jonesing just to see anything. They're going to want – they'll show up to see these young players compete. Weeks three and four are those joint practices in the stadium. Sell tickets. Let's get them out there. We can watch Breeze and Rivers like compete that. against one another in joint practices. So you get two of those. And then make that a, make that a big fan-friendly deal. After the game's over, let's open it up. Um, let's get some of those fans down on the field. Let's have those quarterback competitions. Dude, we could do this quarterback. We can just – yeah, it's almost like has a little – almost like a carnival feel after you get a chance to watch these guys compete against one well, that, another. That's exactly what it feels like when the Saints come It's up. great. You know, it's like these – you know, you see Rivers, you see Breeze, you see all these – stars on the Saints, these joint practices, it, it almost feels like you are at a uh, kind of almost like an elevated preseason game. You know, you get two teams from the NFC Championship last year that you're practicing against. Well, and look, if you pull a lot of fans, they would rather watch, you know, Phillip and Drew compete in the quarterback competition than they would go to a preseason game where they might not know any of the players. That's right. Um, so this chance, this is a chance where you still have competition. Um, you have seven on seven. You have team period where it's thud. There's no need to tackle, but you're getting to see the stars of this league inside the stadium, and I think that would be a good a good compromise there. Henry Jeremiah, but do we take this to Congress? What? How, how does this I work? don't know, but you know, the smartest thing CBA? I did is I gave Hunter top billing, you know, so it's the Henry Jeremiah plan, not the other way around. So I need him to be kind of our, our spokesperson through this process. All right. Well, Hunter's a good person for that. What are the position battles, the players that you're intrigued to see as we get closer to week one? Maybe some guys that are they're fighting to make this team. Yeah, there's there's several of them. I think you look at that receiving group. Um, who you know, if they're going to keep five, are they going to keep six? What do we see from them? You know, Jeremy Davis has been such a great special teams player. Is, is his spot secure? Artavis Scott, do we see him step up and make some plays and, and try and fight for a 
roster spot. Um, some good names there to keep an eye on. And then I like the linebacker position, and not necessarily, you know, are they or aren't they going to make the team, but how are these reps going to get divvied up once the season starts? When mm-hmm. you've got Drew Tranquil flashing like he has, Kaiser White, you know, how does he factor in? We know what Thomas Davis is. We know what Denzel Perriman is. But trying to figure out how that group is going to mesh together and who's going to be in what package, those are things I'm interested to watch. Jatavis Brown and Egg Boulay has been flying around as well. He can play on the ball or off the ball. What do you, what'd you think of him the first couple of weeks? Well, he's just one thing you notice about him is he's explosive. Um, now, he's in terms of just taking on blocks and that's areas he can improve on, but you definitely see the juice and the explosiveness, the same guy we saw in college. Final thing, DJ, is college football. Uh, this yes. Week. What, what, what's going on in terms of uh, predictions? You and Bucky do it on Move the Sticks, and it's yeah. always fun. I, I think Bucky really goes out on a limb, maybe a little too much. Yeah, right? I, don't know. Yeah, I don't know if uh, Buck is uh, is checking out the latest lines when he's making these uh, <laughs> making these picks. But, uh, no, it's, it, dude, it's so great to have college football back. Even it's just a little taste to get two games this weekend, and then it really cranks up next week. But uh, Miami and Florida, I Give know. Give me a prediction because I've talked talk to all, all these guys. I'm, I'm kind of riling both of them, too. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go Florida in that one. I'm going to say – give me Florida 21-17. Two good defenses, though. Uh, but Florida, their secondary is really good, man. Keep an eye on C.J. Henderson. Future right. – maybe a future Charger. You never know. You never know. DJ, always appreciate it, bud. Thanks, bud. All right, guys, that's going to do it. A big thanks to Kurt Menefee and Daniel Jeremiah for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you guys for listening. If you like the podcast, be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, give us a rating and review. Help spread the word. We'll be back later in the week with another Beat Riders roundtable ahead of the Seahawks game. And until next time, I'm Chris Harey.